the Gemara says, that the, the Tanoim Amoroim, when they were hosted in a house, the first thing they would do would be to express appreciation for the hosts. So I, I want to thank very much this family, the Bergsteins and the Rappaports, opening their house. They're not just opening their house, but putting out a fabulous spread, which the Gemara says, this is how Avram Avinu did it. Avram Avinu, when he wanted to bring people close to Hashem, he knew that the way to a person is through their stomach. So Baruch Hashem, there's refreshments here. Brachas that are made should be a schus for the families, for everyone, for all of Klal Yisrael. Mm-hmm. Tonight's topic on a general level is how do we reconcile the seeming paradox of true inner simcha with meaningful mourning? We're in the three weeks now. And Friday is Erev Friday is the big is Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the nine days, and then we have a Tishabov. We're going from more serious and more serious Avelus going on. How do we reconcile both of these? And then we'll have some questions that people sent in, additional questions on a, a different on additional topics. But this question is extremely important because it touches on two of the very important topics in Yiddishkeit. One is Simcha, and the other one is Avelus. So first of all, in order to talk about Simcha, there are many people whom you would mention the word Simcha, and they could say, that's Bittel Torah. I mean, let's get serious. Let's talk about Tzitzis or Tefillin or Mezuzah or Mikvah lighting can That's Yiddishkeit. Simcha is for those people who don't learn, don't learn Torah, or don't practice... Uh, traditional Yiddishkeit, so they're into this other stuff, this spirituality, that kind of stuff. But in actuality, that's not the case at all. There's a a Gemara that says, the Gemara says that the Shekhinah will not associate with a person, whether it's a man, a woman, or a child, Elo mitoich simcha shel mitzvah. That's a Gemara, that's universal, that's for everyone, all Yidden. The Gemara says that the Shekhinah, the divine spirit of Hashem, will not associate with a person unless the person is involved in Simcha Shel Mitzvah. The Torah says that Hashem created Odom and Chava, there was an Eitz Hadas, and then the, the Torah says that, they were just, that that brought death to the world and all kinds of suffering and difficulty. And then there were generations and generations until we came to Noach, the time of Noach, the Mabul. And the Posik introduces the topic of the Mabul with the words, Vayis Atsev Eliboi, Kaviochel Hashem got depressed. That's what it says in the Chumash, Vayis Atsev Eliboi, Hashem got depressed, and there was a Mabul. Hashem destroyed almost the entire world. The only ones that survived were Noyach and those associated with him, those attached to him, those that were taken into Tevas Noyach, they survived. The rest of the world was destroyed. The Torah introduces that calamity with the words Vayis Atzei Veliboi, Kaviochel, as if we could say Hashem became depressed. We know that when the Torah speaks about the Beis Hamikdash, the Beis Hamikdash is the, the Gemara says there are 10 levels of holiness in the world, 10 levels of Kedusha. It starts with Eretz Yisrael, then comes Yerushalayim, 
Then comes the Harabayis, higher and higher, until we get to the, the Beis Hamikdosh, the Kodesh HaKadoshim. That's the center of Kedusha in the world. What did the Yidin do in the Beis Hamikdosh? Everybody knows they brought Karbonos. What feeling, what attitude was a person supposed to have when they brought Karbonos? It's a Pasuk in the Torah. Usmachtem b'choil mishlach yodechem. You will rejoice, you'll be happy with all the things that you bring to the Beis HaMikdosh. Usmachtem b'choil mishlach yedchem. When the Torah speaks about our holidays, our Yomim Toivim, v'hoyiso ach someyach. It's all over the Torah. There's nothing, you can't miss it unless you, you don't see. And, and the truth is, Hashem designed the Torah in such a way where it's possible for a person to learn Torah. The Gemara says that there's a posuk, Vezois HaTorah, Asher Som Moshe Lefnei Bnei Yisrael. This is the Torah which Hashem, which Moshe Rabbeinu placed before Bnei Yisrael. It doesn't say he taught Bnei Yisrael. It says Asher Som, Som. So the Gemara says the word Sam in Hebrew has two meanings. Sam means medicine, and some means poison, some of us. And the Gemara says the Torah can either be a medicine, an elixir of life, or a deadly poison. What's going to determine, what's going to define which it is? The answer is, it depends on what a person is looking for, and it depends if a person has the right guidance. Just like a person would walk into a drugstore pharmacy and see there's purple boxes and yellow bo and green boxes, and a person says, I like purple, so I'll have one of those, or I'll have 10 of those. Say the person is nuts. You don't go into pharmacy by yourself without knowing you need a person, a pharmacist, you need a doctor to tell you which medicine is appropriate for you. Lahavdil in the Torah Doisha, the Torah Doisha is not something that any person can pick up on their own and start studying by themselves and necessarily come out with the right interpretation. We know that we have Pirkeovois. We're in the summer season now. The Minig and Klal Yisrael is to say Pirkeovois every Shabbos, a different Perik and Pirkeovois. <clears throat> and Pirkeovois is the most outstanding statements. Each one of the Tanoim offered, if he had a chance to say one thing to Klal Yisrael, what would he say? That's Pirkeovois. And Pirkeovois begins with Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai. That our Torah, our accurate understanding and interpretation in the Torah is based on a Masoiris. It started with Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, our forefathers, and it went on to the Shvotim, and on officially in the year 2448, Hashem gave the Torah on Har Sinai, through Moshe Rabbeinu. The Gemara says, The first two of the Aseres Adibrois were said by Hashem. And the Gemara says, at that point, everyone died. Their Neshamois left them. All the Neshamois of Kal Yisrael left them. Hashem had to send down Malachim with the Tal of Tchiyas Amesim to revive us. And at that point, the Torah says, the Yidden said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Daber ato itonu. 
You speak to us. We see that we're not capable. We can't hear the Torah directly from Hashem. We need Moshe Rabbeinu. We need the Tzaddik. And this is why we say, Torah Tziva Lonu Moshe. That Moshe Rabbeinu taught us Torah. What is Torah? Tov Reish, Tov Vav Reish Hey, which is 611. 611 mitzvahs were given to us by Moshe Rabbeinu. Two were given directly by Hashem. So the Shiloh HaKadosh, one of the great tzaddikim who lived a little bit after the Arizal says, so we have an out. People can say, you can't compare what you hear from Hashem to what you hear from Moshe Rabbeinu. With all due respect, he's still a human being. I mean, he's still bossed. So the Shiloh HaKadosh says, excuse me, the Gemara says, that the first two commandments we received from Hashem, but the nickname that's used for Hashem in the Gemara is Mipi Gvura, from the powerful one. The words Mipi Gvura are Bigimatria Moshe. To show us that from our perspective, what we heard from Hashem, what we heard from Moshe Rabbeinu, the mitzvah of Shabbos, or Kashrus, or which we heard from Moshe Rabbeinu, we didn't hear it from Hashem. We treated exactly the same as the first two of the Aserah Sadibrois, exactly as if we heard it directly from Hashem. So a person could say, no problem. Were I living during the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, Yehoshua wouldn't be able to keep up with me. I would be way in front of him. I'd be much closer to Moshe Rabbeinu than Yehoshua. Moshe Rabbeinu! But today, there are people whose attitude is today. What do we have today? Today, there are no rabbis. There's no nothing. It's all but... The Shavuah Kodesh says, we know that there's a term in the Gemara, midoiraisa, midorabonon. Midoiraisa means those mitzvahs that are written in the written Torah, in the Chumash. Midorabonon means all of those mitzvahs that we have in the Gemara, in the Shulchan Aruch, all the different things, even from later, Reb Moshe Feinstein, Zechet Tzadik Levracho, all the Rabbonim until today, that's under the category of Midrabonon. The Shavuah Kodesh says the word Midrabonon is Bigimatria Moshe, is Bigimatria Mipigvura, to show us that from our perspective, when we open a Shulchan Aruch, when we open a Gemara, we need to know that these are the words of Hashem. These are the words that Moshe Rabbeinu received from Hashem on Har Sinai. <clears throat> the the Asera Sadibris begins with the words, Vayedaber Elohim Eskol Hadvorim Ho'elalemer. Hashem spoke all of the following words. So the Medrash says, it should have said, Vayedaber Elohim Hadvorim Ho'ele. Hashem said the following. What's Hashem said all of the following? And the Medrash says, this is to teach us that all of the teachings that later rabbis would teach us in the Gemara, in Mishnayis, in Shulchan Aruch, was all given to Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai. It's all Torah Misinai. So in terms of how we understand the Torah, our understanding of the Torah is, is what, what's explained to us through Moshe Rabbeinu and passed down through all the generations. Rabbi Nachman points out that one of the differences between the Goyim and Lahavdil the Yidin is that by the Goyim, by non-Jews, there's also a concept of the Bible. They also know there's a Bible, the written Torah. 
but they don't accept the Torah Shabal Peh. They don't accept the Gemara. And without the Gemara, you have no idea at all whatsoever what the Torah is talking about. The mitzvah of Tefillin appears in the Torah two lines or three lines. It doesn't mention anything about leather, black, par- nothing, nothing. In the Gemara, it explains, it shows from Sukkim and from all the formulas that Hashem gave the Chachamim, the 13 formulas, how we understand the Torah, the Chachamim were able to derive exactly what Hashem meant, what Hashem really wants. So in terms of Getting back to our topic, this was just to, to give us a little perspective. Getting back to the topic of simcha, how, how important simcha is. <clears throat> the, Gemara, the, the statements that we mentioned, and the, the Gemara says, we know that the first mitzvah in the Torah, the first mitzvah in the Torah is to get married. Pru <clears throat> Why? Why? The Gemara says, Hashori b'lo isha, shori b'lo simcha that a man who is living without a wife is living without simcha. So what? That, that simcha, is, simcha is everything? The answer is yes, simcha is everything. It's everything. That's what Yiddishkeit is all about. It's achieving dveikus to Hashem, a deep connection to Hashem. And the Gemara said that the Shekhinah will not associate with a person elamitoich simcha shel mitzvah. So this is something critical. There's no compromises. It's not that this is for, for, for men, this is for ladies, this is for chassidim, this is, this is for anybody who's practicing authentic Yiddishkeit has to know how important this is, how critical this is. <clears throat> and and, and atzvus, the opposite of simcha, depression is chas v'shom, a disconnect from Hashem. Now, there's, there's, there's a term, Lev Nishbar. There's a term, the Gemara says, there's a Pasuk, Lev Nishbar Venitke Eloikim Loisivzeh. That a person who has a broken heart, a person who comes before Hashem with a broken heart, that's something that Hashem will never reject. This is a Pasuk. And, and the, the, it's mentioned several times in Tehillim, and most people, when they hear that term, broken heart, my heart, they, they, they associate it with sadness. And they, they don't necessarily realize the difference between broken heart versus depression. And this is one of the topics that Rabbi Nachman speaks about, that they could look similar. They could look similar. But the, the major, major difference between them is that depression goes together with hopelessness, hopelessness, anger, resentment, negativity. That's depression. Broken heart goes together with optimism. Broken heart, excuse me, hope. Hope, optimism, the opposite. The opposite. Rabbi Nachman was famous for the statement, Ein shum yiush boilam cloud. There's no such thing as hopeless. There's no such thing as giving up on anybody, any time, in, in any circumstances. <clears throat> so now this term simcha is not, a, is not a contradiction to broken heart. Because broken heart, a person has a broken heart, something, somebody passes away, a parent passes away, or a thousand times worse, a child passes away. 
and people feel terrible about it. They're bro- the term broken, a person is broken. In broken, there's two directions. There's again a broken that goes with anger, resentment, pessimism, nothing is good, never had a good day, or that kind of attitude. And there's an attitude of broken where a person feels small, a person feels that they're lacking, they're missing something very, very important. People who are struggling with parnasa, they don't have parnasa. People who don't have health, people who don't have children, Leoleno, people who don't have, who aren't met, all the different circumstances. What about a ruchni like a broken heart? Excuse me? What about a ruchni like a broken heart? What about a ruchni is broken heart? Same thing, not just same thing, but in ruchni is also, there's two directions. There's broken heart, a person feeling terrible about all the mistakes they're making, all the things they're doing right, and all the mitzvahs that they would like to be doing that they're not doing. I keep trying and I'm not succeeding. I want to get up on time for sure and I didn't get up, I missed it, all, all of those things. There's, there's two kinds of attitudes a person can have. A person can feel bad, feel bad about it, but feel bad in a way not not anger, not negativity, not hopelessness. Those go together with atzvus. Whereas lev nishbor means feeling broken, feeling small, feeling that I'm lacking a lot, but as much as I'm lacking, Hashem can make up the difference. Hashem can make up the difference, and the tzaddikim can make up the difference. As we see throughout history, we see the Torah shows us time and time again, that Yidin made mistakes, they failed again and again. As long as there was a tzaddik, there was hope. We just read recently one of the chidushim in the Torah, the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni. Hashem told Klal Yisrael that every year on the 14th of Nisan, we have a yontif, a tremendous, one of the happiest yomim toifim of the year, Pesach, the Seder of Pesach. What, what, how much do women put into preparing for Pesach? And, and the actual yontif itself. And Pesach has a time, there's a date. And in order to bring a carbon Pesach, a person had to be Tohar. They couldn't be Tameh at the time. So the Torah tells us that there were people who were Tameh and therefore were disqualified from bringing the carbon Pesach and they felt bad about it. They felt terrible about it. But they, they couldn't accept, they couldn't accept, can't help you, cannot be helped. No, no solution. So they went to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Lomo nigora, why should we be excluded? What do you mean, why should you be excluded? You're Tameh. It's very simple. One plus one is two. The Torah says in order to bring this carbon, you have to be Tohar. The carbon has to be brought on this and this day. On this day, if you're Tameh, you can't bring it. What's so, what's so complicated? And for them, this was complicated. They understood that that's not authentic Judaism. That's not Yiddishkeit. In Yiddishkeit, the answer is can't, can't help. As we say in, in Eretz Yisrael, there's nothing to do. Can't do anything. That's, that, that doesn't apply. Yesh malasot. In Yiddishkeit, was shown again and again all over the top. Yesh malasot. So these people came to Moshe Rabbeinu. They came to the tzaddik. And they said, why should we be excluded? And Moshe Rabbeinu saw their sincerity. He saw they weren't coming with arrogance or anger. They were coming with lev nishbar. 
they were coming with humility, saying, we, we don't want to be left out. This is so important, so special, we don't want to be excluded. There has to be some. And Hashem said, tell them they're 100% right. Tell them that in their zechut, we're going to add a new parsha to the Torah, the parsha of Pesach Sheni. That if a person was tame or was too far from the Beis Hamikdash to be able to show from the birth, there's a second chance. There is a second chance. There is an ability to make up for it. There's a makeup. And this was an incredible, incredible, the fact that this appears in the Torah, we know the Torah is not a history book and it's not a story book. The word Torah, the word Chayro means to teach. Every single story that appears in the Torah is a message for us today. And the message here for us today is again that Hashem wants us to be happy. Hashem wants us to be happy. And therefore, just about any reason in the world that would make us unhappy, there's a solution for it in the Torah. And the solution, one one of the solutions is coming close to tzaddikim. Because tzaddikim are the ones who are best qualified, who understand the Torah the best. They know what Hashem really wants. Moshe Rabbeinu could have come and said, what do you mean? I, I, we, it's, it's, it's simple. One plus one is two, like we said. The Torah says to bring a carbon Pesach, you have to be taught to her, and it could be brought. If this is the date that it's brought. On this day, you were tamay, you can't bring it. But Moshe Rabbeinu was Moshe Rabbeinu. He knew the Torah tells us that at one point the Yidin did a terrible thing and Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, step aside and allow me to destroy the Yidin and I'll bring a new nation from you. Can't get more clear than that. Hashem is making his, his, his opinion very, very clear. He want, this is what he wants to do. Moshe Rabbeinu here step aside and he realizes Hashem is giving him a message. Hashem is hinting to him that he has the ability to block this. He has the ability to prevent this. And Moshe Rabbeinu starts being mispalel and mispalel and mispalel until Hashem says, Solachti kidvorecha. I forgive them based on your words. And again, this is a message throughout the Torah. This ein shum yush, that there's no such thing as giving up. It goes so far, we know you ask anybody about tshuva, Everybody will tell you that you can only do tshuva while you're in this world. A person passes away, anybody would say, it's finished. Can't, cannot be repaired at that point. So the Gemara tells us a story that one of the most famous tanoim in the Gemara, Rabbi Meir, the Gemara says, Stam Mishnah Rabbi Meir, that most of the Mishnayis and Shas it doesn't mention who the author is. It just says it as a blanket statement. And the Gemara says, whenever a rabbi's name is not mentioned, it's Rebbe Meir. He's the default. One of Rebbe Meir's rebbies was Rebbe Elisha ben Avuya. And the Gemara says, the Gemara tells the whole story how this Rebbe was born. Long, long story. And that this Rebbe was one of the four Tanoim who went up to a very high place in Shamayim, where they were able to see malochim, they were able to see incredible things. And this rabbi saw something that confused him, and he became an apikoiris. He lost his faith in Hashem Echad, and the Gemara says he started doing terrible, terrible things. And the Gemara says at one point, they, they refused to mention his name anymore. At that point, the Gemara refers to him as Acher, 
Acher means the other one, the outsider. We don't mention his name. Imagine. Like Yamach Shemoy, that kind of thing. The Gemara says that when this rabbi passed away, they had a problem in Shemayim. That at one point, the first part of his life, he was from, he was one of the Tanoim, he was Rabbi Meir's Rebbe. We're talking about an incredible high level. And then the second part of his life, he became an Apikoiris and did all kinds of affairs. Can't put him in Gan Eden, can't put him in Gehenna. Where does he go? He doesn't. He goes nowhere. He goes nowhere. He cannot have a tikkun. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Meir heard about this. Rabbi Meir found out. How did he find out? He had the ability to find out what's going on in Shemayim. And he said, I'm not going to allow this. This is my Rebbe. I benefited from him. When I pass away, you're going to see smoke start coming from his kever. And that's going to be an indication that I was successful in getting him into Gehenna in getting my Rebbe into Gehenna so that he can have a tikkun, he can go through a cleansing process and then be able to go into Gan Eden. The Gemara says, sure enough, that's what happened. This is a Gemara in Chagiga. The Gemara says one of the other rabbis, Rabbi Yochanan, saw this and he said, one minute, one of our chevra, one of our chabura, this is the wording in the Gemara, he's one of our chevra, and we're going to allow this? We're going to allow this? People see smoke coming from his caveries in Gehenna? No, thank you. When I pass away, the smoke is going to stop, and that's going to be an indication that I succeeded in taking him into Gan Eden. This is the wording of the Gemara. So the Gemara says, sure enough, that's exactly what happened. When Rabbi Yochanan passed away, the smoke stopped, and the Gemara says when they eulogized Rabbi Yochanan, they said that the Shemrei HaPesach, the guards at the entrance to Gehenna, knew to step aside when Rabbi Yochanan came and said, he's with us. What do you mean he's with us? We have a paper here. He belongs here in Gehenna. I know. I know about your paper. He's, with, he's, he's coming with me. That's the power of a tzaddik. That's what, a tzaddik, that's what the Gemara gives examples of what a tzaddik can do. What does it mean for us to be, to be mekosher to, to, besides for supporting our husbands and future husbands? Good question. What does this mean? What, what is, how does one connect to a tzaddik? There's terms, Hebrew terms that are used, hiskashrus to a tzaddik, a kesher, a tight bond with a tzaddik, or hiskarvus to a coming close to a tzaddik. The, the Gemara speaks about several things. The Gemara speaks about lear, the relationship of a tzaddik with Klal Yisrael is usually teaching Torah. That's the connection between them. Moshe Rabbeinu and Yehoshua met in a tent, in an oihel. And that's where Moshe Rabbeinu gave over all of his knowledge to his student Yehoshua. So part of it is learning, learning Torah. Another part of it is, she, the Gemara says in, in Pirkei Avos again, there are 48 ways that a person acquires Torah. Which means, again, there are 48 ways that this relationship between a, a Rebbe and a student, between the Tzadikim and Klad Yisrael applies. One of those 48 ways is Shimush Chachamim. Shimush Chachamim has several interpretations. One of the interpretations is serving Talmidei Chachamim, being in their presence, being able to watch how they act, watch what they do, watch to learn from their actions, to listen to their words. And, and obviously, 
hearing, listening to their Torah, studying their sporim. In the case of Rabbi Nachman, who's not physically living with us, his students, Rabbi Nachman Shirin says, the way that we practice his kashras to the tzaddik is three things. <clears throat> Number one, learning his sforim. Because here again, when Hashem introduces the Aseris Hadibrois, the opening, the first word in the Aseris Hadibrois is? Anoichi. Anoichi Hashem Alekecha. I am Hashem. The Gemara says the word Anoichi is a Roshe Tevois. Ano Nafshi Ksovis Yehovis. I place my soul in my writing. Kaviochel, the soul of Hashem is in the Torah. The soul of a tzaddik is in his writings, in his words. That's one of the ways that we attach ourselves to his soul. Dibur, there's a posik, nafshi yotzabedabroi. When I speak, my soul comes out, my nefesh comes out in my words. So it's listening to the words, reading the sforim. So one of the ways is learning the sforim of the tzaddik. Another way is coming close to the students of the tzaddik. A person who wasn't physically present at the time that a tzaddik was living. There's a, again, Moshe Kibel Torah mi Sinai, umesorali Yeshua. When the Jews, when the Yidden thought that Moshe Rabbeinu died, Moshe Rabbeinu said he's going up to Shemaim for 40 days and he'll be back. They miscalculated. They thought the 40 days were over, he's not here. And the Satan, the Gemara says, the Satan showed an image in the sky of Moshe Rabbeinu on a bed. They thought he died. The heir of Rav said, time to make, time for a new Hashem. And they tried, they got the Yidin involved in an Egla Zohov. Rav Nelson asked, what should they have done? What should the Yidin have done? The answer is, if Moshe Rabbeinu isn't here, Yiddishkeit doesn't close down. There's the Yeshua. You go to Yeshua, had they gone to Yeshua, nothing there. Where was Yeshua at the time? How come Yeshua wasn't involved in the Egel Azov? Yeshua was at the edge of the mountain waiting for his Rebbe to come down. So some people, what's this guy, crazy? You have a, get a life, do so, you know, your Rebbe left, it's not the end of the world. For Yeshua, it was the end of the world. And he was waiting, waiting for Moshe Rabbeinu to come down. And that's why he did not participate at all in the Egel Hazov. He wasn't involved. Had they gone to Yeshua, none of that would have happened. So that in Klal Yisrael, the greatest tzaddikim, a tzaddik passes away, it doesn't mean Yiddishkeit shuts down. That tzaddik, if, if he was a tzaddik, he left behind an imprint in this world. Dovod HaMelech says, Hashem, allow me to live in your tent in worlds, plural. And Rabbi Nachman has major Torah about this, that every single person has to see to it when they leave the world to make sure they leave their das behind in this world, in their children and in their students. The Gemara says there's two opinions, in their children and their students. Question? The, the answer, question, is there an explanation as to why they didn't do that? The answer is because the Sahara got into them. Because the Erev Rav were actually not, they were Rishon, they were looking for an excuse to, to turn things upside down. They weren't really honest, legitimate Geirim. They weren't, you know, so they were looking for an excuse. The fact, here again, we see this, we see this, this in our time. 
I've seen it in my own, in my own time that I, I was privileged at, a young, at 16 years old to meet a Rebbe at Talmud Chacham, Rav Tzviari Rosenfeld, Zechron and to learn a lot from him. He, unfortunately, he had pancreatic cancer. He passed away at 56 years old. <clears throat> Pretty young. Many of his Talmidim, who were very close to him and learned a lot from him, he passed away. They looked at other Rabbanim. Nobody comes close to him. Forget it. And, and they left it at that. And as a result, some of them stopped growing, stopped growing. Most of them, their children, got very, very little of the benefit from, from, from the fact that they had this great rabbi, because not everybody's qualified to give it over. Again, Moshe Rabbeinu had a Yeshua. The Arizal had a Reb Chaim Vital. When the Arizal, before he passed away, he told all of his students, the Arizal taught Kabbalah, secrets of Torah. He told all of his students, none of you are authorized or qualified to teach what I told you because none of it understood it properly. Only Reb Chaim Vital. He's the only one who's qualified. Rabbi Nachman said that two of his students, he said, all the other students didn't really get it completely except Nasan and Naftali a little. And there were slight interpretations of whether it meant Nasan, Kama, Naftali a little, or both. But we, we see this throughout the generations, that there's a Masoiris, that when a Tzaddik leaves the world, he leaves behind Talmidim who are able to carry the torch. And, and back to this, um, what you said, that in, in order to acquire the Simcha is to connect to the Tzaddik, um, with, with regard to Rav Nachman, if we if we say his if we pray say his tefillas, is it likened to learning his 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 far? Talking about busy moms that don't have too much time to learn, so you yes. squeeze it in. Sure. But it, in the time that we can learn, if mm -hmm. we if we say Rav Nachman's tefillas, like the Tikkun Akloli or other tefillas, we could of course. The answer is of course. I know, but now we have time. I know it's all connected to. To, to the, the, the answer is the answer is that each person, each person on their level, in their way, that's one of the mistakes that many of us make. <clears throat> that that we assume that everyone is supposed to be practicing Yiddishkeit the same way. There are people. Uh, my oldest son went to a yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, a major yeshiva. I won't mention the name and he learned Torah there, etc. And one of the messages that he got in the yeshiva was that people who sit and learn, people who are learning, are authentic Yidin. The people who aren't sitting and learning are less authentic Yidin. They're not really, you know, because they're... they're. And he came home and he said to me, I, I don't understand. This yeshiva that I'm going to exists because there are people who are working and are supporting this yeshiva. So how could it be that they're like failures? They're considered failures, losers, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, you're right. It, that's, not, that's not authentic Judaism. The Torah tells us that Yaakov Avinu had 12 sons. <coughs> Two of the 12 were Yisachar and Zvulun. And the Torah makes it perfectly clear that Yisachar were the ones who sat full-time learning and they got to the level of Yoide Bino Leitin. They were the ones who were in the Besan that were able to determine the Kiddush HaChodesh, the calculations between the sun and the moon, the deepest, deepest things in Torah. Zvulun were the ones who had ships, boats, and did commerce. 
and supported Yisachar. We have it throughout the Gemara. The Gemara, Rabbi Yochanan Asandla, the Gemara speaks about this. There are, and, and this goes back to what I said before, that the Torah is designed in such a way that everyone can take what they want from it. There are people who have an attitude that I know what's right. I know what's right or what I'm doing is right. Now let me open a Chumash, let me open a Shulchan Aruch and prove that what I'm doing is right. And there's another person whose attitude is that I don't know anything. Let me see what Hashem says. Let me see what the Torah says. It's two completely different attitudes. And, and this is one of the reasons why a person needs a tzaddik, needs a Rebbe again. Someone who's qualified. I know, for example, I learned in yeshivas. My parents are from Holocaust survivors. I went to yeshivas my whole life. And at the age of 16, I met a Breslov rabbi, Rav Rosenfeld. And then a few months later, a friend of mine gave me a sefer, Hishtabchus Hanefesh. Hishtabchus Hanefesh is a collection from all of Rabbi Nachman's writings and Rabbi Nossin's writings about the topic of tefillah, tefillah in general, and especially hispoididus. Hispoididus means tefillah in your own words, in your own language, in your own words. And I remember I started reading the introduction. The introduction is about 30 pages, and the, which looked strange a little bit. And most people skip the, who reads the introductions? You want to get to the, to the Sefer. But in the introduction, it's again, the author is telling you what, why they wrote this, so what they want you, what the purpose of this is all about. And I started reading, and it starts from Adam Arishain to Noyach. It mentions every single important person in the Torah and gives examples, clear examples from the Chumash, from Rashi, from the Gemara, from the Zohar Kodesh, showing this is what they did. This is, they spoke to Hashem in their own words, not besides Shachris Mincha, besides the standard tefillahs. And I remember reading this and saying, I can't believe that. I can't believe that I learned Chumash. I learned these stories in Chumash. How could it be that I didn't get it? How could it be that I didn't see, I didn't see this? And I remember by the time I got to the end of the introduction, there were tears. I was a regular teenager, nothing... Uh, and tears coming down of, of, I can't believe it. Somebody just gave me a key that there can't possibly be any door, any situation in life that I can't use this. If you're telling me I can talk directly, to, not just telling me, you're proving to me from a hundred different sources in every part of the Torah that this is, what you, this is what you can do, this is what Hashem wants, this is what Hashem expects, and it works. It works doesn't mean that you're going to daven and, and get the result immediately or get the result that you think. It means that this is the right thing to do. And if you do the right thing, Hashem will do the right thing to, to respond. The Pasuk says, Hashem says, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. And again, many other psukim in the Torah that, 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 that express this. But it's possible for a person to learn the Torah and miss it and not see it. Not only that, it's possible for people to come up with all kinds of silly excuses. No, no, this is only for tzaddikim. This is only for big, only for, for great tzaddikim. Mekubolim did this. 
Eliezer Eved Avram wasn't a Mekubal, he was an Eved. And the Torah says Avram Avinu sent him on a mission to go find the Shidduch for his son. And Eliezer says to Hashem, it's hard enough to find your own Shidduch. I'm supposed to find the Shidduch for Yitzchak. I need your help, you have to do something. And the Torah defines exactly what he said and exactly what the results were. But it's possible, here's where through looking through, I compare a lot of times to a camera, a person has a camera, but the lens isn't focused. And you're looking through the camera and you look at something and you see something, you don't know what you're looking at. Then somebody comes along and turns the lens a little bit and says, now look, and suddenly you can read all the letters, everything is perfectly clear. That's one of the benefits that we get from tzaddikim, by learning the Gemara. By learning, the, by learning the forum of tzaddikim, they turn that lens and show us much more clearly than we could have seen on our own what the Torah is telling us, what the Torah, what Hashem wants us to do. And the Rebbe's tefillahs are just another way of doing it. Of course, it's, there, there, there are, I was saying there's many different ways. One is learning the Sephora, and one is a person gets, Rabbi Nachman in one place in Torah Dalet, chapter 4, says there are three basic connections to coming close to a tzaddik. One is going to see the tzaddik, which today again could be looking into his forum. Rabbi Nachman writes that the face and neshama and seichel of a tzaddik are in his forum. The next is giving tzedakah to the tzaddik, which means supporting what he is all about. Supporting his forum, supporting his institutions, supporting his people. And the third way, he says, is, is viduit vorum, a person really opening up to the tzaddik, telling the tzaddik everything that's bothering all of their issues and everything in order to get clear advice from a tzaddik. Because, not because the tzaddik doesn't know, but if a person isn't open and honest with a tzaddik, then the tzaddik cannot be open and honest with them. It's kemar, according to the face that you show, that's the face you get back. Yes. Um, I remember learning in Mishlei that uh, it's better to go to a base Abel than a... Uh, base Hamishta. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we learned that because um, it reminds you of the last name of the old guy that life is temporary and everything. Um, so I feel like now in three weeks we were like morning. But it's simply such a Very good question. Megillus Eicha, on Tisha B'Av, we're going to read Eicha. And Eicha speaks all about the Churban Beis Hamikdash and all the terrible tragedies that went on at that time. And one of the chapters in Eicha begins, Ani Hagever, Yirmiyanovi describes his own pain and suffering and sorrow over the Churban Beis Hamikdash, etc., etc. And he talks about terrible, 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 and then at one point he says, and therefore, I, would, I could possibly come to the conclusion that there's no hope, that there's no hope. But he says, just a moment, I want to quote. 
He says there in the third chapter of Eicha, Ani hagever ro ooni, look at my pain, look at my suffering. Oisi nohag vayoyle choyshech, Hashem has led me in darkness. His biani bamroirim, Hashem satiated me with, with bitterness. And, and in the middle of all of that, he says, vooimar ovad nitzchi. And I, at one point I said to myself, there's no hope. This is hopeless. But zois oshivalibi. However, this is what this is what I this is how I respond to my heart. Al Kain Oichil. And therefore I hope. What do I say? Chazde Hashem Kiloi Somnu Kiloi Cholu Rachamov. That Hashem's kindness is infinite, unending. Chadoshim labekorim rabo munasecha. Hashem's chasodim are renewed every single day. And, and Rab Nussan, Rabbi Nachman's student, points out here, this is, this is how the mourning is supposed to be done. We have to mourn. The Gemara says, whoever mourns the destruction of the Beis HaMikdosh will be zeichet to see the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdosh. We have to, we have to feel bad. However, it's got to be lev nishbar. It's got to be go down in order to go up. It has to end on an upward, on a positive note. And it, most people miss this. Everybody reads, and somehow they don't notice those last psukim, that those last psukim are on a major up. It does not end on a bad note. It ends on a very positive note. This is what it says in Eicha. And, and after that it says, What is that? It's the upswing. Rabbi Nachman writes about his spiritus that when a person is talking to Hashem in their own words, the Gemara says the most basic components of tefillah are two pieces. One piece is gratitude, thanking Hashem for all the positive things in my life, and the second thing is asking Hashem for the things that I need. Those are the two, there's more, but those are the two most important, most basic elements. Now, when a person's going through the list of all of their problems and all the terror, all the difficulties and struggles and everything, that can pull a person down, chas v'shalom. So Rabbi Nachman says, one of the ways that you can tell if your hispoidus is atzfus, or your hispoidus is lev nishbar, is if you end on a positive note. That after I listed all my problems and all my tzars, but Hashem, I know that you're the greatest. You're the, I know you only want what's good for me. And you, I know that we're going to have a happy ending. That Klal Yisrael, despite everything we've been through, we went through a Mitzrayim. Where's Mitzrayim today? Nowhere. We went through the Greek Empire, the Roman. Where are they? They're all gone. And Klal Yisrael is Nitzchi. We went through the Nazis, Yemach Shemom, and it looked like they almost conquered, they were ready to take over the whole world. Where are they? They're, they're almost gone, and Klal Yisrael is flourishing. New yeshivas, new shuls, new children, can I know, every single day. So this is critical that there, there is mourning, and, and Rab Nassim points out, we know that the Shulchan Aruch tells us that one of the ways that you can recognize an egg if an egg comes from a kosher bird or a non-kosher bird is, if the egg is round on both sides, if it's perfectly circular, you can be sure it comes from a non-kosher bird. If it's pointed on both sides, 
you can be sure it comes from a non-kosher bird. If it's round on one side and pointed on the other side, then there's a good chance that it comes from a kosher bird, and then you need to check the, the farmer, etc., etc. So Rav Sal says again, what is this teacher? What's the message in this for us? Round is avelus. The Gemara says that morning, lentils, mourners are given lentils to eat or eggs to eat because, because again, life is, is round, you know, circular. A generation comes, a generation goes. Pointed, sharp, is when a person's happy. Chedva. Chedva means joy, happiness. Chedva is milosh nechad. When a person's happy, they can make sharp statements. That, you know, they... <coughs> Rav Nosenzal says, in authentic Yiddishkeit, at a wedding... A wedding is supposed to be the happiest day that we put ashes on the forehead of the chassan to remind him of the churban beis hamikdash. The chassan breaks a glass under the chuppah to remind us of churban beis hamikdash. Our joy today is not a hundred percent mitzvah gedolah liyos besimcha, but to know that this is not the final simcha. We're not at the finish line, and at the same time. When it comes to Avelis, when it comes to mourning, by the Goyim mourning, they cut their flesh, they do crazy things. If a Yid does that, Hashem is going against the Torah. In, in Yiddishkeit, there's seven days, and then there's 30 days, and then there's 11 months, and there's boundaries and boundaries that the Ave and on Tishabov, on Tishabov, the Shulchan Aruch says the first half of the day, Till 12 o'clock, till 1 o'clock, sit on, you can't, not allowed to sit on a chair, this and that. Already after Chatzoy Siyoyim, you're allowed to sit on a chair. The halachas change, everything. What do you mean? One day we can't do, no, 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 no. There's no such thing as a whole day of more. Even Tishabov, half a day, the second half is already a, an upswing. Teaching us this message, you know, this, this incredible, important message. And that going back to the, 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 the thought in the shear about how this is not a paradox, that in Yiddishkeit, a person can have two pockets. In one pocket, how are things? Baruch Hashem, great. A minute later, he's talking to Hashem, Hashem, I don't have this, I don't have that. You just said it's great. I, I did. On one hand, you ask me, how are things? Wonderful, Baruch Hashem. That doesn't mean I'm not in denial. There's an expression, there's a term, denial. We're not talking about denial. I recognize all the things that I don't have, and that, but I also recognize the things that I do have and the things that people say could be better. Yeah, some people say, how are things could be better? Hashem hears that and Hashem says, could be better? Here you go. Let's see if you can do better. Or, Hashem, I'll show you that could be worse. But if somebody asks you how are things and say, I see you're going through a very hard time. Yes, I'm going through a hard time, but I know it could be much worse. Chas v'sham no person's in the hospital, but they can see and they can talk, could be much worse. You know, always that, that, that attitude. Anybody have any questions? Somebody else actually asked that question a bit. Yes. That's a very delicate point, a very delicate and important point. Davening to Hashem, when a person's at a kever of a tzaddik, let's say, for example, it's extremely, extremely important to know 
that we're talking to Hashem. Tefillah is to Hashem. We're doing it at a kever of a tzaddik because the tzaddik has zechuyos. The tzaddik has, and by mentioning, when we start the Shemayin Esrei, and we say, Baruch ato Hashem elekeinu velekei avaseinu, elekei avraham, elekei yitzchok, velekei yakoyit. Why are we saying that? What are we trying to accomplish? When we say, <clears throat> today, if I said this 50 years ago, people couldn't understand. But those people that know, when I say the word Avraham, I'm Googling Avraham Avinu. Google Avraham Avinu means I'm pe- pressing a button. When you press Avraham, a thousand pages come up of all the mitzvahs and maizim toivim that Avram Avinu did to, during his whole life. And I'm putting that in front of Hashem's face. I say Yitzchak, I'm, I'm, I'm activating all these chuyos that Yitzchak Avinu did his whole, and so on and so forth. That's mentioning the name of it. There's a posuk, Zecher Tzadik Levrocha. Mentioning a tzadik is bracha, brings bracha. <coughs> the Gemara tells the story of Rebbe Meir. We mentioned Rebbe Meir before. <coughs> that the Gemara says that the Goyim captured a Jewish girl. She was the daughter of Rebbe Hanina ben Tradyon. And, and she was in jail, imprisoned by the Goyim. And, and Rebbe Hanina said, I need somebody to, say, to save my daughter. Rebbe Meir said, I'm willing to go and do it on condition. If she retained her purity, then I'll, I'll be able to save her. If she didn't, I won't. Rebbe said, go. He goes and he tests her and he sees she definitely retained her purity 100%. So he goes to the guard, he brought a bag of money with him and he goes to the guard and he says, here's $10,000, I want her. The guard says, you think I'm nuts? You'll give me the $10,000 and tomorrow they'll, she'll be missing, they'll chop my head off. So I, I won't be able to use all 10,000. I'll be able to buy a few chocolate bars, you know. But the, he says, no, 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 don't worry. <clears throat> um, you'll just mention my name and, and everything will be okay. He says, really? Rame says, yes, let me show you. And there were a group of wild dogs in the distance. Rameer picked up a clot of earth and he threw it at these wild dogs. They saw they came charging towards them to eat them up. Rabbi Meir said, Eloko de Meir Anono, the Hashem of Rabbi Meir, answer me. And they slammed on the brakes, these, these dogs, and they turned around and left. So he said to the guard, You, you, see, you see, it works. It does work. Mentioning my name works. Excuse me? Exactly. Or Shmon Okay, Avram, anytime a person mentions Hashem, help me in this chus of all the tzaddikim. Before we say the Tikkun we say I'm attaching myself to all the tzaddikim of this generation. Also, we, by mentioning this chus of tzaddik, Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu was davening for Hashem to forgive the Yidden for the Egel Azov, it says he davened and davened and davened and, and nothing happened. He said the magic words, Zechor li Avraham, li Yitzchak, li Yaakov, in Parshish Kisisa, the next Pasuk says, Vayinochem Hashem al Horoa Shadibar Amoy. Hashem regretted what he said, you know, the, the, the bad. Elianovi, take a look in, in Malachim. Elianovi, when he had the showdown with the 400 Neviah Baal, there were 400 prophets of this Avoidazora. And Elianovi said, let's have a contest, let's see who's right. And he said, you make a Mizbeach and I'll make a Mizbeach. Let's see who can bring down a fire from Shemayim. 
And they knew that their avodah don't work, so they sent one of their guys to hide behind the Mizbeach to light the fire. He didn't know that Hashem sent a snake that bit him and killed him. So they, when they were supposed to bring, Elianavi says, you guys go first. So they started dancing and still doing their thing, and nothing's happening. Elianavi said, maybe he fell asleep. Maybe your idol fell asleep. Scream a little out. They're screaming, screaming. Then he said, maybe he had to go to the bathroom. He's joking, making fun of them, making fun of them. They didn't know that the person that hit them was dead. Nothing happened. Then Elianavi says, bring buckets of water. Buckets of huge buckets of water, and he pours it over the carbonis, and he floods the mizbeach with water, and then he says, "Aneni Hashem, Aneni, Aneni Hashem, Aneni," <clears throat> and and again the navi says there, he says, "Hashem, remember the schus of Avram, Yitzchok, and Yaakov," and the, the Torah says a fire came down from Shemayim and consumed the animals and the mizbeach and everything and everything, and the Eden saw him. So, in in terms of going to Kivrei Tzadikim, we daven to Hashem. There, there, there is a tefillah in Likutei Tefillahs for Lag Boimer, where Rav Nosson Sal writes, Ovi, Ovi, Rechavi, Srolu, Poroshev. He addresses the tzaddik. He speaks to the tzaddik and asking the tzaddik to defend him, to be mispowered for him. We ask tzaddikim to be mispowered for us in, in that way. But that's a very delicate, delicate point. There are Rabbanim that say, not even allowed to do that. <coughs> you're, you're speaking only to Hashem, period. You're asking Hashem in the zechus of the tzaddik, that, that kind of thing. Vidui. Vidui here again, we're not, vidui means confession. There's a chapter on the Kutimran where Rabbi Nachman speaks about confession, vidui, Oshamnu. Vidui, it's the vidui to Hashem in the presence of the tzaddik. The vidui is to Hashem. If you look in Likutei Tfilos, if you look in Likutei Tfilos on that t- Torah, you'll see the wording Rabbi Nassim Zal says there very, very clearly. The answer is, for, for 99% of people, that's the right answer. Let's leave it at that for now. And, and I'm, I'm being very specific. Anyone else? What happened when Reb Nachman was alive? Excuse me? Like when Reb Nachman was alive. The, the answer is, again, the vidui, it says that on Erev Rosh Hashanah, his Talmidim would come into the room where he, a Talmud would come in. Rabbi Nachman would be facing the wall, away from the Talmud. <coughs> And he would tell the Talmud, speak. And the Talmud would suddenly remember everything, everything that he needed to say. And he would start saying, he would start saying, and Rabbi Nachman would say, enough, out. And the Talmud would be in tears. They'd be, you know, it, it, tremendous tears. And they, you know, that was how it was done. This is what's written. So again, not chas v'shom, not vidui, to you being mezvadet to Hashem in the presence of the Talmud Chacham. Ver- his his chus, and again the shame and embarrassment. The, the Gemara says Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka, I think before he's about to pass away, he gave his talmidim a bracha. He said you should be zoicha that your fear of Hashem should be like your fear of people. So they said that's all. He said halavai, halavai. So here again, when I'm when I'm saying something, sometimes in front of a person, I feel much more embarrassed. Than, than if I don't see Hashem, you know, I'm doing it in the presence of Hashem. Isn't it a little concept of talking to Tzadik about the 
There might be people that say that. Rabbi Nachman, I'm going to quote, Rabbi Nachman says, speak to Hashem like you're speaking to a close friend. Speak to Hashem. And again, there are some people that hear that and say, what are you, crazy? That's, that, that's Mamish Chayv Misa. Hashem isn't your friend. Hashem is a melech. It's true, but Hashem, we're not talking about being disrespectful, we're not talking about joke, kidding around with Hashem. But again, there are examples throughout the Torah of how Tzadikim, how Eliezer spoke to, to speak like you're speaking to your best, best, closest friend whom you have respect for, but who knows you better than anyone else, who knows what you need better than you know. You know, that, that's mentioned very clearly. Um, Please. Go ahead. You get up. Yes. He he, she, you're quoting a story that Rabbi Nachman was once with his daughter, close to the time when he passed away, and he said, he said, if if you know, he was he was very sickery with tuberculosis. He knew he was going to be passed away not not long afterwards, and he said to her that when you'll be by my kever, and and you'll be you'll be mispalel. You th- I won't be able to hear. It's like you're in one room and I'm in the other room. He didn't say, talk to me. He didn't say, talk. This is a very fine line, a very fine line where if a person doesn't know what they're doing, it's easy to make a mistake and cross a line where it becomes something osur and treif. This concept of talking to the tzaddik is a very, very delicate, delicate, delicate issue. The, the answer, uh, there's a Gemara. Let's, let's go back to the Gemara. The Gemara says in Saita, page 14, <clears throat> why don't we know today where Moshe Rabbeinu is buried? And the Gemara gives several reasons. One of the reasons the Gemara gives is because the Gemara says, if we would know where Moshe Rabbeinu is buried, we would go there and we would say to him, we would say to Moshe Rabbeinu, get up and defend us like you did throughout your whole lifetime. And Moshe Rabbeinu would get up and he would be mevatel v'gzeira. He would nullify v'gzeira. And Hashem doesn't want that. Hashem knows that we, we have to get to a certain finish line. That's the wording of the Gemara there. The Gemara says we would say to Moshe Rabbeinu. But again, I'm warning, I'm warning. My Rebbe, one of my Rebbe's, Reb Michal Dorfman, Zechren whenever people would ask him about this, he would say, talk to Hashem. Talk to Hashem, period because he knew that not everybody knows what they're doing when it comes to that. It's a very delicate point, the issue. Again, if you'll take a look at the tefillah that Rab Zal wrote for Lag Boimer, he addresses, he addresses Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi. He says, Ovi, Ovi, Rechav Yisroel Uparoshev, the same words that Elisha Hanavi said when his Rebbe passed away, when his Rebbe Elianovi left. And Rav Nassim wasn't saying it in Miron, he was saying it in Ukraine, where, where he lived, in Breslov. 
but it's a very delicate point. Let's leave it at that for now. Please. Very, very, very good. There's, there's a concept of being sympathetic, showing sympathy, showing concern, and, and being mispalil for that person, doing whatever you can. The midst of Bikur Chaylem, it's a, it's a chapter in Shulchan Aruch. Someone is sick, <clears throat> there's a mitzvah to, to see what they need, to see what you can do to possibly help that person. <clears throat> there's also a mitzvah of knowing when to leave when it comes to Bikur Chaylem, you know, but to knowing what to do. <clears throat> In terms of getting depressed, getting depressed is not going to help that person at all, and it's not going to help you at all. So we don't go there. To take it even a step further, one of my rebbe's, Rabbi Moshe Burstein, said, if I thought that worrying would help a little bit, I'd let you do it. But since we know that worrying not only doesn't it help, but it does harm, we don't go there. We know that that's one of the, do not enter, we don't go there. So what do we do? We have tefillah. We have tefillah, we have tzedakah, we have mitzvahs, we do that. that we don't dance. We don't, when we see Gorkna Rusa dance and clap, we have to show sympathy, we have to show empathy, but no depression. There's the, the Gemara gives warnings. A person goes to be Menachem Oval, when at Lower Lane, a person's going, somebody died. They're not sick. They died already. And now there's the Avelim. <clears throat> and say, it's a terrible thing that... Ha- ter- you have to be careful what you're saying. Are you saying Hashem is terrible? Watch what you're saying. Measure your words very, very careful. It's a tragedy. The person could have lived... Lord, they could not have lived Hashem. You know, the, to be careful with what you're saying in terms of your, your attitude towards Hashem. But again, in terms of showing genuine sympathy, but knowing that line between Lev Nishbor, which goes together with anger, resentment, negativity, hopelessness, versus Lev Nishbor, feel terrible, feel broken, feel, but, but with an optimism. We believe in Trias Amesim. We believe that there's going to come a time that it's going to turn around. There was a question that was presented to me by a younger a young girl. Um, I think the mother answered, but I'm going to ask it just as out of respect. Um, if a, if a person, if a young adult finds themselves that their their default is earthy, they, they somehow fall into this depression. Not depression. Sadness is their default. It's not it's not everybody has this, but it's their struggle. That their comfort place is sad. Um, 
what what's the what what kind of practical advice can the Rav give? I assume the Rav said tefillah and but is there anything else? The answer is yes. Just, just a moment. There's a famous chapter on Likutei Moran, the chapter that begins with the words, Mitzvah Gedoyla Lios B'Simcha Tomid. And there, Rabbi Nachman writes several reasons why this is so difficult, why this is... The, the Vilna Goyen, I believe, is quoted as having said that this is the most difficult mitzvah in the Torah, to be happy, number one. And Rabbi Nachman himself writes... <laughs> about the difficulty, just a moment. Yeah, and he gives three reasons why this is so difficult. Number one, it's human nature to be drawn to depression, melancholiness, because of the things going on around us. The tsaras that the world is full of all the time, all the time. Number one, the chol odom mole isurim, and every person has their own personal suffering. Al kein tzorich lehachriach esatzmoi bekoyach godol. Therefore, a person has to work very hard. It's an uphill battle. You know, it's like you said, the default could be to, to, to be pulled down, naturally be pulled down. If I know about this, if I know that that's the case, and I know that that's not a good place to be. When a person starts falling, what do you do? You, you try to break the fall. Number one, for starters, to break the fall, to stop the fall, to, to stop at a certain point. By awareness. A, a, number one, awareness that you're falling, awareness that this is no good, this is not what I want. Yeah. It's not where I want to be. Now, I, on, my, on my website, <coughs> I, gave, I started giving shurim on the topic of simcha. This goes back about 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I was offered an opportunity to give a shir once a week in Ramat Beit Shemesh. And I was thinking, what do I want to, dis- what do I want to speak about? Y- the Yom Parsha, the Yontif, this, that. And I started thinking what the world needs most is Simcha. The whole world. The whole world is, it, this is 15 years ago, and every day it gets worse. It gets more, more difficult. And I started going through Rabbi Nachman's forum, Sichoi Saran, Likute Maran. I did 24 hours, 24 shurim, just on the topic of Simcha, and covered about a third of the material. There's another two thirds to go. So, there, so there's a lot to learn about. There's a lot written in these forum. Rabbi Nachman's forum, those that can, Baruch Hashem, today it's available in Hebrew, in English, and there's audio shurim. We have a website that has a few thousand shurim, breastleftoira.com. This series, Simcha, is 24 shurim explaining what the issues, what the difficulties are, and what the advice is. Rabbi Nachman gives practical advice in terms of looking at any situation and could the could be worse, that realizing that could be worse, being able to find something good in my situation and being able to hold on to that, being able to find something good in myself when I'm being down on myself, a no good note, being able to find something good about myself 
and being able to hold on to that like a life, life, a life raft, and then being able to find another good thing. There's, there's so much written, so much practical advice written in these forums. If a person will look, and again, for men, for women, there's deeper things, there's less deep, incredible, that, that applies to everybody that can help in today's times, dealing with all of today's issues. Sure, sure. Anybody have any other questions? I know that there were some women that submitted heavy-duty questions. Yeah. Um, anybody before the rub? <clears throat> we would like to hear some more. <laughs> I know. I'll take a look. There were some questions that were submitted that let's see. Rabbi Nachman said that we should not trust doctors. But if we go to a doctor, we should go to, the be to a master, to the best one. I'd like to get a clear answer if a person with mental health issues, according to Rabbi Nachman and Breslov teaching, is allowed to take medication, I've received different answers over the years. This is an, an important topic. <clears throat> Rabbi Nachman spoke very disparagingly about many, about most doctors. The Gemara says, Toiv Shebaroifim Ligehenim. That's a pretty powerful statement. Does that mean a Jew is not allowed to become a doctor? No, it doesn't. There were tzaddikim, Shmuel, one of the rabbis in the Gemara, was a doctor. So therefore, this requires explanation and interpretation. And this is an example that one of the ways that we learn Torah, there's the book and there's the, the seeing it live. Today's, the, today, when I speak about today's, Going back 50 years ago, when I first came to Breslov and, and saw the Zekenim of Breslov in Eretz Yisrael and my own Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld, who was a major Talmud Chacham, major Breslov Chassid, they did go to doctors sometimes. There are people that run to doctors anytime there's a sniffle, anytime the weather changes, they go to their doctor, they want to see their doctor, or today it's their therapist and psychiatrist and other things. But we're talking a person limiting, limiting, being very, very uh, thinking carefully before going to a doctor, number one. Number two, selecting a doctor. It's not something you look up in the yellow pages and just because his name is doctor, getting referrals and references, and also a second opinion. All of these things, this is what I saw by my rebbies. And, and, and they, they had operations at times, hernia operations, did different things. So again, the, excuse me? They took the decision seriously. Definitely, definitely. So I'm saying it's not just a blanket statement that Rabbi Nachman said no doctors. You have to, Rabbi Nachman himself went to doctors at a certain point. So this requires shimush chachomim to be able to know exactly when and how to apply it. Another question. I'm meeting younger Breslover women and men that seem to take the first part very seriously, but the second part is forgotten about one should go <clears throat> to a master of one's trade. You know, to, that if you're going to a doctor, make sure you go to the best, that kind of thing. That's definitely something that was, that I saw followed by the Rabbonim, by the, the leaders of Breslov. Excuse me? Yes, yes. To be selected, to be called when it came to an operation, anything serious. And, and in general, a doctor, not just stum, to ask, to, to ask people to get referrals, to make sure they spoke to people who used this doctor in the past and got 
positive results, that kind of thing. Over the years, I've seen an increased amount of women putting on tichels in Breslov and saying, this is what the Rebbe wanted. But how, how is this, if the, how, what the Rebbe wanted, if the Rebbe himself did not believe in Levushin? We have, this is, No, definitely not. There, there are different standards. There are different standards in Klal Yisrael. There are different standards in terms of halacha. There are different standards in terms of minhogim. One of the Yetzirahs that all of us have is that if I'm doing this, then this is what's right. And if anybody's doing anything different, it's either wrong or it's not as good as what I'm doing. And a person has to be very, very, very careful about that. Very careful. I remember my re- one of my rebbe's, Reb Michal Dorfman who was originally from Russia, came to Eretz Yisrael, lived on the border of Meisharim and Gula, and his wife wore a tichel. One of his daughters wore a shetel, this one like this. And I remember driving with him. I drove him to shul and from shul every day for years. We spent many, many hours together. <clears throat> and there were times that we would drive in Meisharim, and there were gigantic signs on the wall that this is what's preventing Mashiach from coming, this shetel problem, that this is... And Remichel once or twice commented <clears throat> that there are thousands of Bells Hasidim and Gera Hasidim that were she- you're going to say that they're blocking Mashiach. This is what's this is what's blocking Mashiach from. So I, I know that he he didn't he didn't agree with that. And his own wife. In ter- his own wife wore a tichel. And again, people who asked each person, depending on their circumstances, depending on a number of factors, would be told. But this point we had it in last week's parsha. Moshe Rabbeinu is about to pass away. He asks Hashem to provide Klal Yisrael. <laughs> with a leader to replace him. How big do you think the resume of somebody who's going to replace Moshe Rabbeinu would be? How many pages? It's one line. One line. Ish asheruach boy. Rashi says it means a person who understands that every single yid is different and knows how to relate to every single different yid and knows that for this person, two people can go into a rav, a legitimate rav, and one person goes in and asks the rav, am I allowed to do this? And the answer is no. And another person walks in five minutes later, should I do this? Yes, it's a mitzvah. And the two people meet, and they say, why are you doing that? I just was by the rav, he said, you're not allowed to do it. He told me it's a mitzvah. Something's wrong here. And they go back to the rav, and the rav says, nothing's wrong. For this person, it's a mitzvah, and for you, it's an avera. That's, that's how the Torah, that's how Hashem designed the Torah. I remember <coughs> a cute story. Not so, my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld, he had <coughs> a student came to him, started attending his shurim, who was not Shomashab, the parents not religious at all, not Shomashab, etc. And shortly afterwards, his father passed away. And he, said, he came to Rav Rosenfeld and said, my father just died, what do I do? So he said, you have to sit shiva, seven days, no going to work, stay home, so, you know. He said, what about Saturday? Same thing, shiva, Saturday, everything. He told this to someone else, and they said, oh, now we got these breast lovers, now we caught them. Doesn't know a simple, every, 
Who sits, you sit shiva on Shabbos? Ridiculous, crazy, you know. Any kid knows there's no such thing. So somebody went to Rab Moshe Feinstein, Zechon Levracha, who was one of the leading Paiskim at that time in, in the United States, and, and said there was a Rav that said, is there any Paisik that says that you sit Shiva on Shabbos? He thought for a minute, no, because they said there's a Rav in Brooklyn who told somebody to sit Shiva on Shabbos. He said, who's the Rav? So he said, it's this Reb Tzviari Rosenthal. He said, if he said it, you better find out, because he knows the Shulchan Aruch like I know the Shulchan Aruch, no, no less. They went back and they found out that that was the first time in his life that he kept Shabbos, that he didn't go into the car to go to work on Shabbos. What, what does sitting shiva mean? He, he stayed home. What, what, what law did he break? He didn't break. That was the first, that was the schus he gave to his father's neshama that he kept. Now, and any other person would have asked that question. No, you don't. No, you don't sit. He would have been in the car and gone to work or gone to, to, to shop or whatever it is. So not everything, sometimes you have to be able to read between the lines. There's four sections to Shulchan Aruch, and they say the fifth one is the most important one. What's the fifth one? Common sense. That a rov has to know who's asking the question. It's very important who's asking the question and under what circumstances to be able to know what's allowed, what's not. Excuse me. It's a very touching. Here, you say, I, I said it a lot of times, I mean, a few times. She was, and and I, I, like I felt that people felt like just because you say Shiva, you just have to be there. See, they cry a little stuff now. My husband, well, was, oh, he said, he knows me very well. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> I'm going to make sure we have a legend here. So I'm, I'm a baby. This is a real breast of her. <laughs> so my husband was very mocked when he was sitting shiva that he, when it came to Shabbos, there was no shiva whatsoever. I find in today's world, and I, 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 I took it that it's because he's a breast of her and we have to be. My husband came Shabbos, when it was over, it was, he sang smears regularly, he went to shoot regularly. He, even if he was in a shoe that made a kiddish, he didn't walk out of a shoe. <coughs> of a shoe he would be showing Avelis, which you're not allowed to do. Correct, correct. I find that today's generation really holds that Avelis to this. So we, I mean, my, we're sitting with my husband. I ended up, well, I go to shoe Rabbi Shabbos, so of course I went to shoe with all my boys, so Rabbi Dishon said when you were walking, to a shul on Shabbos, you guys took them, you were going to a simple. You did not look the available. I find that a lot of these things people take, and that's one of the things that I got, I learned from my husband, that even though we're sitting shiva, come Shabbos, the whole thing stops, you yeah, know? And yeah. it's a, but it's a hard thing. I was, I was my, they told me, okay, now it's, it's Shabbos, you could go, says, so I went upstairs, took a shower, or whatever it is, I come down, and my little son, who was 13 years old, he says to me, Ma, you look terrible, go put on some makeup. <laughs> no, so, no, what I'm saying is, and I said, what do I need makeup, you know? Mm-hmm. But he told me, he said, no, it's Shabbos, we have to put makeup on stuff. So I believe, I'm only saying this because the Indian of Simcha, it's hard to be the simcha when you're crying for somebody who was sniffed up. But the MS is the reversal of those in one of us. 
to just sit and all the time because it's, it's, it's nice to even in the middle of Shiva talk about something cute that a person said and is remembering the nice things of that kind of thing. And I find that I, because the end of Simcha, I'm sorry, but I have to say it a minute, that really Simcha belongs at every time. And I put it into my life in such a way that it works. <laughs> it works. Even when I'm angry at the kids that doing something wrong and everything, I take what they did wrong, put it, and I'm, I'm, I, because I'm already at an age that you're not allowed to say anything, or, you know, like whatever. So <laughs> I, I put myself in that spine. I said, I'm not looking at anything that they're doing that I don't like. Put it aside like if it didn't happen and enjoy every minute of, of Beautiful thing that I have. <laughs> like exactly. her, you know? and, and, and I find that no. <laughs> and I find that really it works. And I'm just yeah. saying it because this is one of the things that from the Rebbe that we got that mitzvah get oil is a and it's a hard mitzvah because we think that okay, listen, you're supposed to cry, you can't just sit and be the simcha if your husband died or whatever it happens, you know, you have to cry, you know. But the MS is, yes, you have to, you know. You know, you, you're a lot of mourn, but there's a, there's, you're a lot of left also. Yeah. And enjoy, talk about the mildness, like my kids would say, his tati would say he would kill us, you know, like, like you know what I'm saying, like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So I'm just saying the Indian of Simcha is even in a velos, or even in times that it's hard, give a smile, you know, that's, it. I, when you go visit as and and you see that the person is, all wrapped up in cast and all that stuff like that. How do you expect him to smile? So I'm not saying make a joke that you, well, you look so funny, you know what I mean? No, but I'm saying like, bring them up and say, you know, that's great. That, and anyhow, that's Thank it. you, it's great. The Gemara tells a story about a woman, Rahman al-Itzlan, Lo'aleinu, who lost a child. And she grieved, and she kept going. And at one point, the Chachamim told her, stop, stop, you have to stop. She didn't listen, and she lost the second child, Rachmur Avetzlan. And the story continues, it, it doesn't stop. It has a very, very unhappy ending, because the Torah teaches us boundaries, boundaries, especially when it comes to this. I gave the example, there's Shiva, there's Shleshim, and again, there's three weeks, there's nine days, there's Tishabov, there's... There's a, on Tisha B'Av itself, up until midday and after midday, and, and there's no, you have to be careful not to be machmir where you're not supposed to, you know, not to add hummus where you're not supposed to. Most, exactly, some of it requires learning. People don't learn all the details they don't know. Very more bold, and isn't a lot of pain about it. So, is it wrong to show empathy even though it's Years later, or to acknowledge revelation thing, because maybe I'm encouraging her to like bring out feelings of sadness. The validation could be feeding into The answer is it depends on the person, it depends on to see if it's something, if it's a means of showing risk. If you see that it's going to pull the person down, then you don't want to do it. If you see that something, the, the Torah says, 
that especially in today's times, if a person has someone that they can talk to, that they can t- express something that's troubling them or paining them, that relieves and alleviates 90% of the pain and the suffering. So if this person needs to say it, if they need to talk about it, to be able to listen and show empathy could be a very good thing. And I, I've heard this clearly from people sometimes, that the fact that you listen, you were listening to me and, and be able to, I had a chance to be able to say it, thank you very, that, that's a very, very big thing. But there are people that don't know, that make a mistake, and they instigate like, you know, they, they, they'll bring it up when, when they're not supposed to, that kind of thing, or bring it up in a way that you're not supposed to. It's a delicate thing to be able to know to, whatever you can say to make a person feel good, you know, feel positive and happy is a good thing. And, and even there, with, with, with seichel, with seichel with each person, sometimes you see the reaction of the person, or you see, you know, and you know for next time, yes to say or not to say, that, that kind of thing. Please. A chronic situation, that kind of thing, yeah. It's continuing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <clears throat> yeah. the, the answer is by that Hashem tells us, Hashem and that Sadiqim tell us that there's a right way to, to respond and, and a less right way. And the right way is that even though there is this crisis, even though there's this terrible thing going on in my life, there's positive things in my life too. And if I focus on the, on the bad thing, if I focus too much on that, it's going to pull me down. It's going to pull me down. It's going to hurt me. It's not going to help the situation. It could make it even worse. <clears throat> Very often when a person has something, you know, a situation, a, a Sean Bias situation or with kids or that kind of thing, when kids see parents upset or unhappy, that, that, that pulls them down sometimes, Rahman versus a person, again, we're not talking about gloating at somebody else's problem, but maintaining a certain level of simcha with a, I'm happy with Hashem. My foot is hurting me. A person fell. They, they had an operation, or they're going to have an operation. They're in tremendous pain. Again, we're not talking about denial. I know that there's the pain, but I know the other foot isn't broken. The other foot isn't broken, and I have my eyes. Being able to focus as much as possible on the positive things. Because if I don't, I can get depressed, which is, I'm pulling the plug, I'm disconnecting from Hashem, chas v'shalom. So that's why no matter what tzara and tzara a person is going through, if they're following the advice of this tzaddik, it means that I must find ways, I must find a life ray, I must find a rope. Otherwise, chas I'll drown. I'll go down, you know, mentally, emotionally, and, all, and I won't be able to help the person in any way. Whereas as long as I'm maintaining a degree of simcha, a degree of emunah, faith in Hashem, and therefore a positive attitude, 
whatever help I can give that person, I'll be able to give them. I have cards here. If anybody wants, it has a phone number, it has an email address, it has a website. Thank if anybody you. wants Thank to be you. in touch. Thank you. Thank you. And, and again, these forum are fabulous. They're available in English. And there's a website, breastlifttoira.com, that has thousands of shurim of my Rebbe, Rav Rosenfeld, and shurim that I've given. Thank we tried you. to do what I could in, in the time Thank that we had here tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.